Welcome, all of you wine and true crime lovers. I'm Brandy. And I'm Chris. And this is Texas Wine and True Crime. Thank you for being here, friends, for Season 3, Episode 13, Part 3, Murder in Midlothian. A huge shout out to all of you that support the show each and every week. We just appreciate it so very much. If you want to help keep the wine, food, and the stories flowing, just go to our website, TexasWineAndTrueCrime.com. Click on that Kofi link and you can contribute right there. Special shout out this week, Chris, to Corey Edwards. Thank you so much, Corey. Yes, thank you, Corey, for buying us um, this bottle for the show. That means so much to us. Uh, Chris, Corey told me uh, that she tells her friends about our podcast. That's fantastic. I know. And that when she and another friend of hers were in Fredericksburg, they mentioned us to a winery. And guess what? What? That winery was like someone else mentioned them too. Well, we're starting to grow maybe a little bit. Hashtag goals. The word is getting out. Yeah. So thank you, Corey, for spreading. Spreading like COVID. (laughs) God, make it stop, Lord, make it stop. All right, Corey, thanks for spreading the love. And thank you to everyone else who spreads the love for us as well. And of course, if you enjoy the show, please head over to Apple or wherever you listen to our podcast. Click those five stars. Say a few nice words because, well, you know, that's what our mamas taught us to do. And Chris, I thought I would go ahead and read another review Okay, that came in from a really, really nice person. So this one is actually from Rocky. And Rocky says, I love how the hosts detail the case and make it more of a conversation than anything else. Highly recommend. That's fantastic. I yeah. really, that's very nice to say. That is super nice. Thank you, Rocky, for leaving that review. And thank you to everyone else who leaves such nice things. And of course, if you um, want to, you know, check us out on social media, you can do that too. We're on Instagram, Facebook. Just search Texas Wine and True Crime. The wine for this week comes from our friends at Flat Creek Cellars. We are sipping on a sparkling white named Sparkling Almond. This blend is made from Chenin Blanc and Chardonnay grapes. And of course, hang out until the end with us so you can hear our wine reading and review and learn more about our friends at Flat Creek Cellars. Okay, Chris, this week we are closing out the Missy Beavers case. We're closing it out. There's not a part four or five or six in the well, works. Well, I, you know, with all this, everything going on and still being a very active case, I'm sure there will be updates in the future at some I, point. I think there might be as well. Yeah. So we're really going to follow this one, of course. So closing it out today. I just received so many messages about covering this case. So I hope we did it justice. Um, I really tried to, you know, get to the locations, check them out. And, and, you know, we really just want to see this solved for her family. The reward is at $150,000. I know police, Chris, we both agree that we feel like they're holding a lot to the vest in this case. I, I think they probably know a whole lot more than we do as the public. And I think there are probably some POIs, person of interest, that they're just not disclosing. So I, I think they're very much on top of this case. Yes, I think they're just keeping some of that stuff secret so they don't want to reveal too much uh, yeah. to the potential. Uh, maybe the perpetrator is clearly still out there roaming around. So Yeah. So I'm holding out lots of hope, uh, lots of hope, lots of love that this family, you know, gets closure sooner than later. Um, to close this out, we are going to um, offer up our theories because it's an unsolved case, right? So I think... 
just human nature is to kind of think about what you think happened. So we're going to share that a little with people today. Um, and just the thoughts about possible motives in this crime or actually what actually we think motivated this crime. And we'll discuss the current investigation because, like I said, this is a very, very, very active investigation. This is not a cold case, even though we are talking about you know, this five years later. And um, we'll actually talk about something interesting I found out about this church, Chris, and the preschool where she was killed. I found a little bit of information. um, So I'll share that too. Okay, guys. So last week we talked about the motives of like what motivates murder, right? So we discussed robbery. Was she just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Was this a motive for her murder? Uh, But we ruled that out, Chris, right? Ruled that out since we know nothing of hers was stolen Mm -hmm. and nothing from the church was taken. So I think we've uh, we've ruled that out on our side. We discussed a young kid vandalizing the place. This was something that sort of went around a little bit that maybe it was uh, some sort of vandal uh, just causing some problems. And she just happens to walk in and they take her life. But this doesn't make any sense to us either. We covered that a little bit in part two. Um, just doesn't make much sense. And lastly, we spoke about a hired hit. Now, I think out of these three, Chris, this scenario is probably the most likely. But again, this person doesn't really scream professional to us. Professionals don't roam through buildings and break windows and frolic along, right, in tactical gear. They sit, they wait, they do what they're supposed to do, and they get out. So this doesn't uh, scream professional to us. So I think we ruled that one out for us as well. So let's talk about other motives today. So last episode, um, when we talked about the uh, text, Chris, the text and social media records that were, were pulled from her phone, there was clear evidence that she and Brandon were having financial and marital difficulties. We spoke about this. Missy was talking to other men, uh, most notably through LinkedIn, Based on the persons of interest list that we talked a little bit about, it looks like about three men, and I'm going to say three men besides her husband and the father-in-law, because they are both on that list as well. We know um, what Missy's actual relationship, well, well, we don't know exactly her relationship with these guys, how she knew them, how she met them. We don't, we don't have any of that information. Um, Again, That's just something they've kept secret about who these people actually are and what kind of relationship we have with them. But we do know that some of this was flirtatious in manner. The police did come out and say that some of these text messages were a little flirtatious. Um, But honestly, I don't think any of this really is important as far as information. Only, Only reasons to care about any of this, in my opinion, Chris, is because of the case. I mean, we again, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. We don't know what goes on in people's lives. Um, but but I, I'm glad that they are looking into the people that she was speaking to because that kind of goes into what our theory is towards the end. Um, Chris, I was hoping they would maybe get some traction by identifying these guys and talking to their spouses, which I've mentioned a few of their spouses are on that list um, as well. But interestingly, Midlothian Assistant Police Chief Kevin Johnson stated, 
We don't have information that indicates the killer talked to any of the target numbers. So remember, the target numbers is the target list of people. They had phone numbers next to each of their names. Nor do we have specific information to believe the killer video recorder recorded the murder. Now, I mentioned the possibility of the light on the helmet. Chris, remember we talked about this when we were going through the map? Yes. And, well, we saw it on the video as well, right? We see the light coming from the helmet. And Your then, GoPro theory? Huh? Your GoPro theory? Yeah. So, listen, we there could have been a GoPro camera attached as well. So, n- there has been rumor that it was possibly video recorded and that that was possibly a GoPro on the helmet. So, we have to stop and think, though, who would benefit the most from Missy being gone? And, and I think that's just common sense. Who's going to benefit from her, her death? And that brings us to money. We know there were financial struggles in the family. They found it in text messages between Missy and Brandon. There is speculation that Brandon Beavers knew that either Missy had had an affair, was having an affair, or possibly talking to other men. I don't think Brandon, um, Chris, now, I know I haven't really asked you this about your theory about him, but I don't think the husband has anything to do with this. No, he has an alibi. Has an alibi. And there was speculation, you know, did he hire someone to have her killed for money? Um, You know, while he was out of town. I mean, I think that's just, of course, what people go to. He just happens to be gone and she just happens to be murdered. But you know, I, I saw him in interviews, Chris, and I, I, I look in his face and I, I hear what he says and I'm listening closely and he just doesn't kind of come off to me as someone who wanted her gone. And I'm also going to say that I don't believe the father-in-law, Randy Beavers, was involved either. I don't think this is something these two plotted, which has also been a theory out there. In my gut, I just don't think these two were involved at all. I think that for obvious reasons, such as the walk and the gate, the father-in-law has compared to the perp seen on video. Chris, the possible emotional and physical affairs that could have been happening between the couple, the the blood on Randy's shirt, which we talked about in part two, the fact that they're both out of town when she is killed. I mean, I think this all just played a huge role in people's assumptions, but both of their alibis have checked out and they have been cleared by the police. So so do you do you agree with that? With I these agree two? With with what you're saying. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I, I just think um I just think there's been so much speculation around these two, but I think that they need to move on. I'm hoping that they know that and they're doing that. Yeah, I don't think either one of them have anything to to do with it. Yeah, and I don't think they're persons of interest any longer. Um, I, you know, they've both been cleared. So, thankfully, um, and hopefully that they've um moved past that. But of course, they're always they're always you know police. I'm sure just keep everything on top of mind just in case any other tips or anything comes up. But so this brings us to the motive of a jealous lover, a jealous spouse, a jealous couple, or just plain revenge. There are people out there that do believe more than one person is a part of this crime. I haven't brought that up yet because I wasn't planning on it until this part. But there is possibly a theory there could have been a getaway driver. There could have been someone else seen on video that we just don't know about. Um, Could Missy have been speaking to someone and that someone was dating someone else? 
married to someone else and their jealous partner just decided to take revenge on Missy out of jealousy and anger. So Chris, you and I have both come to very similar conclusions on why this happened to her. This is true. Someone that was so loved by her friends, her family, her community. Remember, we talked about this. People couldn't figure out who would want to hurt her. But to us, based on all of the evidence we have seen, research that we've talked about, revenge seems to be, in our eyes, the motive for her murder. And now it's time for a wine recess and a word from our sponsor. Would someone know where to look for you if you went missing? Would someone know who to contact? Does someone have all of your passwords to access your social media accounts? Not likely. So why not have an If I Go Missing file? As women, we are more likely to be stalked, go missing, become victims of domestic abuse, or victims of a violent crime. Ladies, why not have a safe way to share information if something was to happen to you? HelpYouFind.me is the secure way for anyone to share important information with their loved ones in the case of an emergency. The HelpYouFind.me platform provides a safe, encrypted, easy-to-use way for women to communicate certain critical data with their loved ones. All private data is end-to-end encrypted, meaning only you and your intended recipient can access the data. Not even HelpYouFind.me can access it. HelpYouFind.me handles all of the complicated encryption, automatically keeping your information safe. If you're traveling, you can upload important documents, pictures of your location, your flight details, anything important that people might need to access just in case you need to be located. Parents, your young adult children that might be out on their own, or maybe they're off at college now, they need this product. Girl dads, give yourself peace of mind knowing your daughter has an If I Go Missing file. You can snag their most popular plan, which is one account with seven friend shares, only $59 for the entire year. You can either click on the link in our show notes or type in the code TWTC. That's TWTC and receive 15% off. Don't wait. Check out HelpYouFind.me today. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, Chris, we are sipping on the sparkling almond, which presents a touch of sweetness in almond with hints of pear, green apple, green apple, and toasted vanilla. What are your thoughts? Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings from haunted houses to castles bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. My thoughts on the wine. Um... So it's not one of my one of my favorite wines that I think we've had. I think it's very sweet. I was, um, of course, I read the description prior to sipping on it, as I will often do. Yes. And so you can definitely taste the almond. It is a little uh, overpowering, in my opinion. A little yes. sweet for my taste. I was kind of hoping for something a little drier. Um, okay. But... You know, as far as what we had with it, I think it went well. Uh, I did pair a... I made kind of an apple crisp 
or my take on an apple crisp that was a little more lower carb. I won't say no carb or super low carb because I'm not totally against some nice, um, you know, we're not refined, super low. Yeah, we're not sugar. like. Yeah, we're not like weird. I mean, we're not like. So I probably super use half the, half the sugar in the recipe <laughs> I normally would. So yeah, uh, but I made an apple crisp with kind of a um, almond meal, walnut. Um, I used some flax seed and flax seed, chia seed, and hemp hemp seeds, and kind of made. I've said kind of like three times in a row. Sorry. I've made the crispy uh, topping for it and baked that up. And so hence we'll say a, you know, a lower carb version of an apple crisp. And then I I assembled a charcuterie board, a smoked salmon charcuterie board with some of your um, little requested keto friendly crackers to go along with it. and dip. (laughs) Which are delicious, by the way. I can't wait to try the keto bread. Yeah, they're like uh, made of cauliflower. I'm sure we'll have gas after yeah, you know, it's all said and done. But um, they were, oh, yeah, they were, delicious. they were okay. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. A nice chewy, um, chewy bagel probably would have been a lot far more <laughs> superior to uh, have yes. all those uh, embellishments with. But however, it was good. It was very good. the The board was beautiful, and the apple crisp. I love your take on the crisp on the top Thank with you. the flaxseed. I'm like, I asked him, "Is that everything I'd put in my uh, smoothie?" And he's like, "Yeah." So yummy. So if you want that recipe, shoot us a message. We'll get it over to you. Chris, you always outdo yourself with the food. So it was very good. So thank, thank you, you for that. Um, I do agree with you about the wine. I, it is a little sweeter than I had anticipated. Yes, it's more desserty. Like It uh, is definitely I mean, I more desserty um, than, I, was, than I thought it I would mean, be. I mean, reading kind of what um, maybe would go with this. Um, this, was, this was too sweet for the salmon, in my opinion. A little bit, I think so too. Yeah. Um, but I think for like a great hot day, um, sitting at a winery, or just um, it's you know it's sparkling, right? So it, it's the blend of the Chenin Blanc and the Chardonnay. Um, I was expecting just a tad drier than than what we got, but I definitely think the almond. You can smell it. You can taste it. So if you're one of those people that can really detect too much almond in cake. I don't think you it would appeal to well, and you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that I'm not a fan of sparkly things. I think sparkling wines. I'm. Oh, so I think we're a huge fan of sparkly wine. No, I. Well, I'm not. Uh, oh, and, you're not. Yeah. No, but I, 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 and, I like and, it. and if I do, I'll do like I'm drier. I think the yeah. probably one of my favorite sparkling wines that what we've had recently have been that that sparkling rosé at Ten Mile Productions that weekend we went down there that they made that special little batch and put it in the keg. Yes. Put it on tap. And I don't know if we'll so ever good. forget that again. But um, <laughs> ladies, we need but, that. <laughs> but that was good. Um, it was very I thought good. Thought that was very tasty. But yeah, I, I was just expecting something a little more dry and less sweet. And so, yeah. I, I possibly would have put some other stuff with it. But if you like sweet, wasn't bad. It just was no. one of my favorite. If you like sweet wine and you love the that almond vanilla flavor, you would love this. I mean, that's, that's what I'm gonna rich. say about that. It, it's very rich. So if you like that like that taste and that type of wine um you would probably really enjoy this but uh thank you um friends over at flat creek this is our first one from flat creek on the show so and i looked through their website they have a ton of different wines and we need some clarification because the it's a texas vineyard however it says 
Yeah. So I don't know. Well, they have a big vineyard, like a 20 acre vineyard here. And then I think they have like a 10,000 case facility. So it's huge. They actually, I'll talk about this at the end, but they have two separate locations um, within the same city. Okay. Marble Falls. They're in Marble Falls, Texas. I don't know where Marble Falls is though. Do you? I've been there camping. Oh, you have? Well, what direction is it in? I would say west. Okay. I need to check. I'm, I don't think I'm familiar with Marble Falls, but all right. Well, uh, Chris, you ready to get back in the case? Sure. Okay. So let's talk about what we think happened the morning Missy was killed. Like I said before the break, we both pretty much agree on our theories of what provoked this crime. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk about this, Chris. First and foremost, we believe this was a planned attack. We believe she was targeted by someone she knew, someone that knew her schedule, someone that knew the room that her morning boot camp would be located in the day, in that day, in the building. I think this person knew she would be entering through those double doors from the south and pulling her car under the awning, uh, which is why they never attempted to actually close that door, Chris, that we watched in the video. I think they actually never attempted to close it because if they would have closed it, she would not have been able to actually get into the building. This person is in tactical gear. They're opening doors, roaming around, trying desperately hard to try and make this look like a robbery. They are going to great lengths to cover up their identity. I think we can agree on that. Head to toe tactical gear. I think they want us to think only a man would show up wearing this gear, Chris, but we do believe this is a woman under all of that. That's what I believe. And I think you you I think we hit it watching this video as many times as we did. And let's talk about why we think this is possibly a woman. Um, Chris, you mentioned this, and that is the stature of the person in the tactical gear. So the shoulders say it all, right? To me, yes, the shoulders say a lot. Yeah. Um, we don't believe, we talked about this, we don't believe that it looks like a man in uniform, um, a little slouched in the front, maybe a little heavy set in the tummy. I can't figure out if I feel like it's a heavier set person or it's just all the tactical gear that's making the person look heavier set. I, I don't know. Have you ever put on tactical gear, Chris? I have not had a need to put on tactical gear, no. Just curious if you've no. ever worn it and if it's like super I mean, heavy. When the zombie apocalypse happens, I'll consider it. But <laughs> well, you might want to get it before then. There used to be a time when walk, walking up to my job, I thought maybe I would need some tactical gear. But <laughs> let's not say where I work, though. I won't. will. But you might be right. You might need it, actually. Yeah, I'll just carry a few knives. That's it nowadays. So Okay. And then, of course, the walk and the gate. Um which I think the police were hoping that this walk was going to identify this killer in a somewhat of a quick manner. I mean, but we know that didn't happen. We're talking about this five years later. But we do think this whole getup is a costume. Purchased somewhere, I don't know where. Party City? I, I Well, I told you that when I went down to Midlothian, I noticed... Um, lots of police officer equipment wearing, buying stuff. And I called them and I basically asked them if I could get 
most of everything that I saw in the video? And their answer was yes. Except the only thing I could not get was the boots. And they told me to call their Dallas location for those. Mm. So my guess is it was possibly purchased at some place like that. And then when I looked and see how like how many were in the area, there was one about every, what, 10 miles? I don't know, a lot. I mean, more than I would have thought were around selling police tactical gear, but apparently uh, there's there's quite a few of those. Um, so we don't think... Um, Right. We talked about this. We don't think it was a robbery. We think it was made to look like one. And they're going to great lengths just to completely cover themselves up. But again, we think it might be a woman wanting other people when they see that video to think it's a man. All right. So um, let's see. Where do I want to take? Okay. So why the tactical gear? Chris, we didn't really talk about this in the first two episodes, but we think this was purchased with intent. We think this outfit was actually purchased f- to dress up and to go and murder Missy. But what would have been the intent of the outfit? So I came up with a couple things and I wanted to kind of know what you thought, Chris. And I didn't run these by you before because I wanted you to kind of have a just a fresh ear on them. Um, the first thing I thought of was maybe to make her comfortable if for any reason she, she or he needed her to come closer to them. Okay, that's my first one. Um, to give some trust if this person approaches her. Um, for Missy to not go for her gun, I think this is important, right? If 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 you see, and I tried to put myself as a woman, 4.20 in the morning, coming out from a rain in the dark, running inside. If If Missy was to see someone face-to-face and not the police thing on the back, right? The police thing's on the back. Even though on the top of the pocket, I think it does say something, maybe just police, but still, depending on how far away she is from this person, unless she's looking at their back, she could have and would have possibly pulled her gun if she would have been carrying it. I mean, do you agree with that? Um, Yeah, I mean, I agree, but, you know, personally, I wouldn't walk towards a cop in normal outfit much less a tactical outfit so (laughs) you know probably probably less apt to walk towards a police officer in tactical gear just because i mean that's probably something going down in that direction so i'm gonna go the opposite direction okay okay well this kind of goes with our theory towards the okay all right, I get I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay, so that was kind of like my three things of maybe why and like part of the whole like get up in gear or the bigger reason to make this person want people to think it's a man. Okay, so we'll say those four things. So I go back to what the forensic podiatrist said, that he didn't witness the murder on video, but what he saw was like out of a horror movie and something he will never forget. So I've got a bit of an opinion about this statement. So this tells me a couple of things. One, that they possibly do have the murder on video. And they possibly stop the video for him before the murder actually takes place. Like on the video so he doesn't see it. The second thing, the perp comes up from behind her and she is completely caught off guard um, and tries to fight for her life. 
Okay, so that's scenario number two. Did he see in the video someone creeping up behind her? Or three, um, the perp knows she is aware they're there and she takes off running. Okay, and then maybe the podiatrist sees her literally running through the halls for her life. Okay, now remember, she is experienced in self-defense. So if they were face-to-face and the perp is attempting to hit her with a weapon, I think she could have possibly had a leg up in the fight. Do you agree with that? If the I mean, if, if if yes, mild, I mean if, mildly. Okay, but, I mean I still don't know how the whole self defense classes. I mean I don't. I think she would have been able to put it, but I think if she would have okay, let's just say this person is five eight, five because um, they've they've come out in video surveillance. Experts have said they do not believe this person is any taller than five eight, and and you're and you're defending yourself one on one with. A man or a woman. I don't, it doesn't matter right now. But I think you would have had a better of a fighting chance than if somebody's coming up behind you, right? So I think she would have probably got, had a little better, like a better hand up on it if this person was to come up to her face to face rather than in the back. But again, we just don't know because we don't see the video. But if she is unknowingly struck with a weapon and then chased or chased and then hit, maybe she got injured and it would have been more difficult for her to defend herself if they would have come up from behind. Okay, Chris, we know a gun was found by her body. And I want to read something from the CSI report about her truck and the way it was found. Now, I did read this in the previous episode. This is just a short few sentences. But after reading it several more times since we recorded last week, I want to address something that is in this report that I think is important. Beneath the awning, I observed, now I'm talking from the report, so it's not I myself. It's the actual officer who wrote this. Beneath the awning, I observed a gray-colored F-150. F Ford F-150, and then there's a few words redacted. The vehicle was facing westward and was unlocked. I observed the front passenger door to be open, which was nearest to the building. I also observed the bed cover, which was extended in the open position, as well as the tailgate of the vehicle to be opened. Multiple items of what appeared to be gym equipment were observed in the back of the vehicle as well as near the entrance to the building on the southern side of the business. The keys to the vehicle were observed on the tailgate on the driver's side of the vehicle. Through the open front passenger side door, I observed a black colored wallet located on the front passenger seat, an Apple iPhone located in the dash of the vehicle just above the radio, and a yellow colored handbag located on the floor in the center of the front seats of the vehicle. And then it says, using his camera, he took pictures. And we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, six paragraphs redacted after that. Okay, I want to talk about this. And and this is just my thought about reading this, my thought about what possibly could have happened, because we do not know. But Chris, is it possible that she made it out of that building? I mean, is it it is is it crazy to think that she could have been the one to open that passenger door, possibly going for her gun? I mean, we know from sources that it was stated she left it in the truck that morning. 
But could that be because we know if she would have had it on her and saw this person that she would have pulled the gun if she felt like she was in danger? I want you to think about this. The doors are unlocked. She's coming from the driver's side. The reason the keys are probably on the back tailgate is because that's where her equipment is. She opens the back tailgate or the back tail part where the trunk is, opens that up, leaves the keys right there because she needs both hands. She grabs the stuff, goes inside, hands full of equipment. The reason the doors are not locked of her car is because she's got her purse in there. She's got her phone in there. She's got her wallet. She's coming back for those things. She's not just leaving her her truck there. She she had to turn off the car because she needed the keys to get into the back and unlock it. And then she sets them down. They find her equipment at the front of the, in, in, like right inside the door of where she entered. There, we know that we know that because we see that on the map. She walks into where we see those those pink arrows. She's got. I want you to picture this. She's got both hands full. She walks through this door, probably using her hip to open that one door. The other door is already open for her, and she walks in. and And then I stopped and thought to myself. If that was me, what would have been the first thing I saw? The first thing I would have seen are those two open preschool doors. I thought if I walked in and I'm used to being in that building and I'm used to seeing what it looks like at 420 a.m. And I walk in and something doesn't seem there's a door. Maybe she only sees one door and then she probably stops, looks at another direction and sees another door. Chris, I think this happened quick. I think she sees the person and she starts and she books it. And she drops her stuff and she tries to run back outside because if I'm Missy and I see that I'm dropping my shit and I'm getting, I'm going for my gun. I mean, I think that's her one line of protection that she realizes that, that she needs to get it. So what if she did make it back out? And what if this, there's so much more that happened at the truck that we don't know with all this redaction? I find it interesting in this report, they immediately asked them to look at her body, look around her body, and then go observe the car. It's almost like that was the second point of the attack or even the first point of attack. What did they find by that car? And did she have the gun? If he, if this person's chasing her and she does manage to get that passenger door open and grab her gun... And then we know, okay, guys, then we know they go back into the building, right? They go, they end up back in the building because she's found in the building. So they get back in the building. What if they, what if she did get the gun and, but the person hit her on the back of the head and kept hitting her and and causing her to get dizzy, not be able to put up a full fight, but she's struggling, but she just can't manage to, to, to get the gun down to where she needs it. She's in a fight for her life. They get back inside. This person either, I think, maybe pulls her back inside. They end up back in the hallway. She's found on the north side of the building. So she's directly down from this main hallway coming from the south entrance of where she parked her car. And now she's found on the north side. And Chris, we know she was surrounded by broken glass. And we, we talked about this. I think there's a table down there. There's a table on on the south side. 
I feel like there's going to be a table on the north side since people would come in that main entrance to the church. I think she they were struggling and, and a, a table fell or she was pushed on it. And and things just were, you know, and, and she was really just in the fight of her life. I mean, what do you think about all I just said? Well, I mean, I... With all that stuff being redacted, it's hard to really, I mean, it's all, I know. Spe- it's all speculation. All speculation. So I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it's, to me, it's, that's all those things could have happened. I think it's all possible. However, you kind of have to go, but with but the facts that you, you see, I mean, I think right. when they, when things are redacted, it's probably because they want to keep them out of the public's eye. There has to be a reason. Of course. Reason why I'm sure it's not a matter of mistakes or anything like that. But, um, it's but just, if they found her equipment at the door, by the door where she walks in, I don't think she ever made it back to that room 10. I don't think she ever got that far into the entrance until she was spooked. If I walked in and I saw those two doors open, I would immediately think something's wrong. If just me personally, if it's we're talking in the middle of the night and she's she knows she's always the first one there and she knows she's early. I, I mean, I just I wouldn't I think she just felt something. I don't know if she saw something first or just felt it and saw those doors, but I don't think she made it far past that entrance. Now, Chris, the police did say puncture wounds to the head and neck, and I don't think there is any reason for anybody not to believe them. I think that these weapons were used that we do see in the video. I think this person beat her with these weapons and then finished it off by shooting her. Puncture wounds are not gunshot wounds. Puncture wounds, right, but I mentioned the first time they said wound to the head, and then they changed it and said puncture wounds to the head and neck. Yeah, because maybe they realized after the fact that it was caused by some sort of an object as opposed to a bullet. Mm, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Okay, well, we'll I think that I think this is how it started, and I think she was shot at the end. We know she was shot because... We, the, I mean, if you look up the Ellis County, like we talked about this, if you look it up, I mean, it clearly said, we know it's her, it's the same year, it's the same age, and it says gunshot wound. We talked about the show on the ID channel that says gunshot wound. I mean, I, I think it's safe to assume based on just public record that she was, she was killed by a gunshot wound, or you could be right, maybe they thought the gun didn't kill her and that it was the puncture wounds that kill her. I think either way, we can just assume that all these weapons were used. Yes. And to me, that screams rage, anger, possible overkill. Chris, I think this person knew everything about her. I think they stalked her social media. I think they knew her schedule, knew where she would be. They knew this building, or at least at least they knew how she entered the building. And I think they knew exactly where she her class took place. Um, I think that they knew what time she was going to be there. I think they knew that the early birds would arrive early and that this person needed to get in and out before they were seen. And that they used this opportunity to get there to make it look like a robbery gone wrong. Um, but they made sure to show up in plenty of time to stage the scene. Midlothian police have put veteran Detective Andy Vaughn, who was involved with the case before, 
Chris, this is now his primary job is this case. This is literally what he focuses on every day is solving this murder. They want this solved bad. Mm-hmm. Bad. I found out, um, Chris, something interesting. When I went to the church to visit the building, I found out that they are actually planning on moving the church and the preschool to a different location by this time next year. And I don't think I can say I blame them. I can imagine just... I don't blame them either. I can I can only imagine like how many I'm people try to get in. and like this look, long to do that. I know. You know, people try to get in and go look around. I mean, I'm sure they've had phone calls. Who knows? Um, but I just can't imagine how difficult it has to be to run a preschool and a church in a building haunted by a murder that everyone wants to see solved. Well, Chris, that concludes Season 3, Episode 13, Part 3 of The Midlothian Murder. If you want to see pictures related to this case, you can find them on our Instagram and Facebook pages um, and also on our website. All right, babe, are you ready to review this wine and cork it? Sure. We kind of already have reviewed it, I think. Yeah, we have. Um, We are going to cork it three corks. Three Corks it is. Three Corks it is. Flat Creek is located in Marble Falls, Texas. You can either visit the downtown location that offers flights of wine and an elevated dining experience, or you can visit the estate, which is where the vineyard is located, and you can do wine tastings, casual dining, fine dining, disc golf, and gorgeous vineyard views. They have a 10,000 case winemaking facility, like I mentioned earlier, and a 20-acre vineyard. So go visit Flat Creek and tell them that your friends at Texas Wine and True Crime sent you. Okay, well, each week we highlight an organization that just inspires us to be givers and better people in general. This week, we chose the American Red Cross with everything that has happened in Louisiana with Hurricane Ida. The American Red Cross responds to, Chris, did you know this? They respond to an emergency every eight minutes. I did not know that. It's crazy. That is kind of crazy. They primarily respond to and help people recover from disasters, provide emergency assistance, disaster relief, and disaster preparedness. You can volunteer. Chris, 90% of the people that work with the American Red Cross are volunteers. Mm -hmm. I did not know that either. I think I knew that. That's crazy. That's awesome. That's so awesome. You can give blood, which is always in need. You can donate money to help with disaster relief. There are lots of people that were affected by the wrath of Ida. So please, please visit the American Red Cross's website and please donate time, donate blood, donate money. If if we all can just choose like one of those three things, just imagine the impact we can make. All right, babe, you got anything else for to say goodbye? So. All right, friends. Well, until next time, stay safe, have fun, and cheers to next time. Cheers.